0: Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number ninety-four of Because WCW the podcast, where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean Ayers and I'm joined as ever by my co-host. I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call you my co-host. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put any uh, any hot sauce on on that uh, on that salad. Oh,
1: the- I like hot sauce. I'm not, I mean, I Metaphorically could, yeah. and literally I love because, spicy food and I want you to give me a big inch See I could I
0: could uh, I could burn you with it or I could enhance the flavour of is just a, This is there.
1: just a power trip to you isn't it Yep, definitely
0: La- Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Mr Liam <laughs> <laughs> It oh. It's right up there with uh, Mr Conway Twitty uh, it,
1: uh, the family night. Yeah, our our intros might be starting to just jump the shark a little bit <laughs> going by that evidence.
0: Well, the problem we had was was that we 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 obviously we always have a little bit of a chat before we start recording and sometimes sometimes we hit gold, don't we? Where we say something and we or we talk about something and we say, Yeah, that'd make a really good introduction And and this evening has been the exact opposite because we, we've had a good conversation uh, but it's been hideously boring and middle-aged. Um, we've talked about work, family, um, and bins and the weather.
1: I know, I we're that's, monsters, that's aren't we?
0: Yeah, because at the moment, I'm I'm recording this, looking out into my back garden uh, as we've got a storm brewing, and I'm getting very worried about my zip-up greenhouse, the second one, having the first one been destroyed in a storm last year. And I'm hoping it doesn't get destroyed. Uh, and I speak as a man who lost virtually all his possessions in a flood several years ago.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm scarred. I'm
0: scarred by the weather, Liam.
1: It's it's also worth pointing out that it is currently mid-May. Yeah. Just to put this in context for those, yeah. Where's those of us in the fucking sunshine. Those of our listeners who are tuning in from the United States, who we're, I'm aware they have like all sorts of different weather across the states. And there's been some really extreme weather over there over the last 12 months. But, but yeah, we're we getting mid-May storms right now. And it's, a, it's yeah. a fun place to be.
0: It should be warm. It should be pleasant. We should be able to you know sit outside. Because after all, you know, lockdown is lifting here and, and restrictions are lifting in the, the the United States as well, I know. And it does seem that that we are going to be finally coming to an end of the golden age of podcasting.
1: Yes, it, it feels like for, because of all that boring stuff we alluded to earlier, it feels like the uh, the golden age is coming to an end. We're just we're just cream cracker at the moment, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we, we must warn you. List, dear listeners, that both Liam and I are absolutely knackered this week, which probably means that we we aren't going to have much patience for WCW shit.
1: Yeah, we are not going to suffer those bell too much. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, slap nuts. That's right, this is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW.
0: Now, choke on that. There better be a pot there better be a bloody banquet table, that's all I'm
1: saying. There had better be a banquet table. Woman, to calm us down. Woman had better get her chance to cheat like a like good knows what. And um, flirt with mean jean. Oh yes, plenty of flirt with mean jean. We want a nice brisk pace on this episode. You know, we we'll there'll probably be a couple of decent love matches, but we want some nice short, enjoyable sprints. We want Steven Regal versus Billy Kidman in fifty seven seconds. We yes. won a nice breezy because it does get it it has been tougher, isn't it, in this two hour era. We've now done yeah. just over a month of these and I think yeah. the last one we covered was the first one when we turned around and said, you know what? Two hours just breezed by. That was, we
0: said, yeah, this, this, the episode we're looking at today was originally broadcast 1st of July, 96. So if you, if you want to watch along with us, that's what you need to look for. um And yeah, last, like, as you said, last week, the, um the 24th of June episode, um we, we said, yeah, that was the one that, that it felt like they've finally, they've hit their stride on the, on the two hour jobs after having lots of filler before.
1: Yeah, and it, it it came down, funnily enough, it was the weird style clashes they booked in a lot of the matches that ended up creating a lot of interesting, watchable wrestling television. And Eddie Guerrero
0: feet barbarian, wasn't it? yeah.
1: And it's not worth getting out the old Dave Meltzer snowflakes for it, but you just watch it and you think, you know what, I enjoyed that episode of TV. And that is always the barometer we try to use for these. Enjoying the episode of TV, especially knowing that we are watching something (laughs) where we know where these feuds are headed. We don't always know exactly what the result of every match was because we don't have that encyclopedic a uh, memory of it. But there's not going to be any massively hideous surprises at, outside of, you know, every now and then Jimmy Hart might fat shame uh, a mid-card wrestler. <laughs> and, we, and we definitely don't remember yeah. that. That's been consigned to the back of our memory. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And um, last week, and I, I, we won't go into too much detail, actually, because I've just seen that they're, the, the the team concerned are on the first match of this show. So we'll probably get a recap on, on the show anyway. But... um we had a tag team title change. Harlem Heat beat Luger and Sting and the Steiner brothers in a, a triangle match, as they call it, in WCW, and have become the new tag team champions of the
1: world. Absolutely a triangle match. Yeah. I, so, I, I love the fact they have their own parlance for certain matches. And if yeah. we're covering them in WCW, absolutely. So It's a triangle match for a freeway or triple threat, as the WWE call it. You know, a Hell in a Cell cage is caged heat three stages of hell is a triple threat theater and i wouldn't have any other way like. oh and well, an iron man match has to be called an iron man challenge which i think i actually prefer better
0: yeah. yeah fair news right shall we uh shall we begin we are of course on zero zero
1: zero 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 zero,
0: and uh Are you ready to hit play and get some burning buildings in our lives?
1: I've heard all my zeros, Dean. I'm ready for some burning buildings. I I can't think of a better one-two punch.
0: Okay, well, we will press play in three, two, one. Let's go.
1: Oh, there's buildings. And and there they are, Blaze. Oh, wow. It's almost like clockwork. How have they not apprehended this arsonist shit? (laughs) (laughs) He seems so predictable. Yeah.
0: And Hogan is still at the start of the uh, introductory titles.
1: Yeah, you'd think at the very least Hogan would be able to like identify the arsonists. He's there watching it every time.
0: So where are we coming from this week? We're in Landover, Maryland. Maryland. Oh, wow. Maryland. Where's Landover, Maryland?
1: You've got to be brave to go on the road to such obscure thing. Although they've got a decent crowd in. Do you remember when you could go on the road to such obscure places and actually guarantee a crowd like that?
0: Yeah, Uh, incidentally, a live update, I've just been served up a cup of tea in my WCW mug.
1: You are a WCW mug. I have to uh, post a picture of this. Yeah, you've already posted a picture of the t-shirt, the glorious Because WCW t-shirt. What a gift, what an amazing gift. You're welcome, buddy. So we are we are really on the road to Bash at the Beach. They are they are talking it up. It's not far away. Yep. They are addressing that we've got the six man tag as the main event. We know the personnel in the match, and here's Diamond Dallas Page of a mic. Yeah.
0: What's DDP?
1: He's moaning oh, about the he's... lack of the ring?
0: Yeah. His his battle bowl ring has been stolen.
1: He wants the whole building closed. <laughs> and he wants strip searches, which could turn this into a completely different type of program. Yeah, very different. I mean, it was around this time that Beavis and Butthead Do a Miracle was released. Do you remember that film? Oh yeah. With the cavity searches. Oh, but that's a funny film.
0: Full cavity search.
1: I do, I do love daft, funny. You know, the oh, sort, yeah. the sort of thing that most people in a public setting would try and pretend they didn't laugh at because. They they think it'd affect their credibility, but you go home, you watch in private, and you laugh your head off. I love a good daft comedy.
0: Ah, and now here we go. We have got the recap of the tag title match from last week. So, Hall and Nash come through the crowd, step over the barriers,
1: armed with bats. While the
0: match is going on. Ah. And basically, what we've got here is that every. So. Yeah, everyone is everyone is facing the outsiders. Police are in the ring, and Stevie Ray rolls up next Luke from behind to win the tag belts. Almost an afterthought.
1: Yeah, like the match came to a standstill, which really drove home the the seriousness of their invasions. But Stevie Ray had to wherewithal to sneak in a little roll up. And they've they have gone past Hall and Nash, who are like eyeing them with the bats, but they're like, Yeah, we've got the belts, we don't care. Which obviously would yeah. end badly for them when they did wrestle the outsiders. Yeah.
0: And they've just said that Hall and Nash, they still haven't given names to, by the way, but these gentlemen, as they called them, will be around tonight. So they know that they're they know they're here, which is which is kind of odd because I mean yeah, on the one hand, you want to tell people at the beginning that they're here so that people keep tuning in. But on the other hand, if these guys are outsiders invading your company, you wouldn't know that they're there, surely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always liked that touch where they wouldn't refer to them by name. It kind of just added a little bit to it, but it's it's always one of those situations where it's, it, it's very hard to portray it as, as realistic because yeah, you think, well, is there a certain point where you think, why are we allowing them in on a regular basis?
0: Yeah. Besides that, or you, you have it where the uh, they miraculously managed to get front row tickets for every show.
1: Yep. good um, could theoretically happen. Can, can provide an update, by the way, on Scott Steiner's entrances. He's looking increasingly grumpy on his way down as a babyface. And he's looking Very increasingly so. like a human-shaped balloon.
0: Is he looking as grumpy as you and me today?
1: No, we're not that. We're never that grumpy. I, I really think. And for some reason, uh, Booker T's on a on a 1990s cell phone during his entrance. Yeah, a flip
0: phone with an aerial. I remember them.
1: I mean, four years prior in WCW, that was like the most lethal foreign object going. Sorry, international yeah. object. I mean, that took out a ninja. <laughs> Yeah, we've covered that episode, by the way, everyone.
0: That was such a good show. Yes. Was that Beach Blast 90? No. It wasn't Beach Blast. What was it?
1: Um. Yeah, was it? No, it was Beach Blast the Blast Iron Man Blast. Challenge. Beach Blast was Iron Man, yeah. Super Bowl 3,
0: 2? Super, Super yeah. Bowl
1: two, yeah, because two. then they clashed in war games at the next pay per view after that Wrestle War, and then they had their Iron Man challenge, which was uh-huh. pretty awesome. Although Greg
0: Greg Lambert didn't necessarily agree.
1: Yeah, but he was const- he he was pretty comprehensively disproved. And yeah, he, he, he did admit. To be fair, he did admit after I put in my case that, yeah, maybe I had a few points. You got, you've got to look at it from a, you know, you've got to look at it within the confines of the rules, and that's the fun you can have with an Iron Man match. And that's probably why a thirty-minute Iron Man match is much better than a one-hour, because even yes. in an environment where you might, you know, certain times, locations, promotions where they do have the audience's attention for an hour. I remember Ring of Honor in their pomp used to run a lot of 60 minute draws and they could do Mm. that and they'd have the wrestlers who could pull it off but 30 minutes you can tell a much better story you've got to work that time limit so uh, title match to start us off yep And judging by the fact that it's these two, I'm I'm guessing we are now really binning off Sting and Luger as a tag team, especially as tag champions, because obviously they've got Bash at the Beach in their sights now.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say they'll be teaming up together. But yeah, I think that's the thing that they are going to be focusing as as Scott Steiner presses Booker T over his head quite impressively. Um, Yeah, we are concentrating those two on the the main event six-man tag. And and that frees by, by taking the tag belts off them that kind of frees up the tag division to to have focus elsewhere and that, that focus right now is Booker T and and um the Stein Brothers sorry Harlem Heat and the Stein Brothers even, <laughs> um as the, the top two tag teams in the division and the, and as Shivani just mentioned we've got we've got security sat around ringside. Getting in the way
1: a bit, but that's to, to emphasise <laughs> yeah. what we've seen with the outsiders, I guess. Yeah, I mean I I as mean, like as a ranked championship contending duo. Oh hold on to, oh, hold
0: on. I'm sorry to interrupt. We have a banquet table.
1: Do we? This is this is the biggest banquet table I've seen. The entire horsemen are there.
0: Plus, Elizabeth and Deborah and woman.
1: I think think woman was, uh, she she looks a little uncomfortable. I I think she's struggling with standing there and not cheating. Yeah. Meanwhile, Elizabeth was entirely comfortable with her assignment of standing there and showing no emotion. Some would say that is her strength. Oh, big German.
0: Nice. Uh, And by that, you mean a
1: suplex, not all firm. Well played, well played. Especially with the time, considering that Ulf Herman was a long-time uh, roster mate of yours. I was, I was looking for the right word there. You were both on the, the FWA roster for the longest of times. FWA
0: and um, and then 1PW,
1: yeah. Ah.
0: I loved working with Ulf.
1: One he he one was so cool to speak speakers. to afterwards, yeah. Yeah. Very fan-friendly. And obviously, he was the opposite of that when he was performing. <laughs> Which is a great contrast.
0: Big, yeah, big suplex from Scott Steiner, and, and I always remember how he would just—he—he he spoke perfect English, but he swore like a docker. It was incredible. <laughs> it's like—I mean, I, I yeah, you know, I—I sw- I can swear in English. I couldn't swear in any other language, but Ulf could. And and when we had um when we had that TV special for Bravo Revival, um, and he was know, yeah, he was told. You mustn't swear, and I remember spending all day with him, just reminding him, don't swear, and he nearly did, but he just about, just about got away with me. <laughs> uh, was that, was that Colonel Rob Park? I saw. He's eh?
1: scouting, it would seem, and he's uh, he's already had his fair share history of Harlem heat. Mm. So, but yeah, uh, funnily enough, uh, that story about off home reminds me that a- apparently. I heard through the grapevine secondhand that that myself and my friends when we were young caused some trouble at a FWA show by swearing and shouting a lot, and we were really sat really close to some TV executives who were looking it up. I don't know if there's any truth to that. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. Alex Shane very openly blogged about it without actually naming us, but there were like little clues to suggest, yeah, that's exactly who he's talking about. It's like, yeah, all right, okay, oh dear. <laughs> So if 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 me and my friends are the reason why FWI isn't like the number 2 promotion in the, in the <laughs> world right now my bad my bad but well, let's fair, that was never going to happen let's let's be honest
0: huge belly to belly suplex from uh, Rick Steiner onto Booker T and what was interesting there was that Rick Steiner covered him right near the ropes and rather than putting his foot on the ropes Booker T did a proper kick
1: out there's definitely a psychology to that that the commentators can latch on. I like I like that. It, ta- it takes a lot of synchronizing, as you know, to you know, not a lot of wrestlers have the time to go through every little bit. But you know, sometimes commentator can pick Ooh. on the on the the difference between a one and two count, between a shoulder roll and a kick out. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And I've done that in commentary myself. And, it's, you know, it's, I've always said a commentator should enhance the viewing experience. And that's one way you can do it by mm. focusing on things and drawing attention to things that, that, that fans might not have picked up on on, on, the, on their own. So we've just been told we've got John Tenter taking on the Giant, presumably for the world title, which would be uh, an interesting matchup. And then an eight man tag featuring the Four Horsemen.
1: It does feel like we are starting to run the well a bit dry on this whole uh, here's the giant is going to squash another big man on the roster. I'm almost certain he's already run through John Tenter on one of these Nitros. Well, I can't I keep can't. up with all this. I don't think. So. Hashtag five concussions. I've had five concussions. Yeah. He's He's gone through, uh, he, he beat Scott Norton didn't he? Yeah, he beat both of Fire and Ice. Shocked I didn't get yeah. Uh, told off for the plagiarism there, by the way, Dino. Um, he's <laughs> he had the pay per view match with Loch Ness, but that was on Nitro. He's he's definitely had a. Remember they ran a they ran a whole program where him and Luger were both facing big opponents and who could manhandle yeah. or lift up the other. So they did a whole thing with that, didn't they?
0: Yeah. Okay. Scott Stein is now kind of taken over on both members of Harlem Heat. He's just made a cover. He just power slammed Booker T, made a cover, but um, Stevie Ray made the save. Spinner. And now Scott is going to go for a Frankensteiner on Booker T, which he hits, Ooh. and Booker T doesn't land on his head.
1: <laughs> Scott Steiner did, though. Yeah. <laughs> We, we said on a recent, I think when we did the uh, the last pay-per-view, timelined with this Great America Bash 96, we said there's evidence mounting that he should maybe retire that move.
0: Yeah. Is there a flying okay, bulldog coming up? up on the top rope going for a bulldog. Yep, he hits it. Oh. But Patrick, Nick Patrick's not... This this is, is I'm completely confused as to who the double, who the legal man is.
1: Oh, this is a, oh, that's a really, really lousy finish to a good match. This because that was really awkward. But to his credit, Parker's tripped Steiner up on the ropes and then added a shot with a cane, which I love because that's that's douchebaggery of the of the highest order.
0: Yeah, that looked far more effective than the trip.
1: Yeah. But to do both is brilliant. <laughs> so, is is he back with them? Is he trying to get back with them?
0: Well, they're 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 assuming that he's the man on the phone.
1: Yeah.
0: But um, yeah, it was it was kind of a good match, but with a storyline continuing finish,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, It was just the awkwardness of that finish because they've kind of just chosen not to do the pin to do another move that they couldn't do because they got tripped out. It just re- really exposed yeah. it all.
0: Okay, so we've now got, and this is, look at this, this is all the our boxes being ticked. Mean Gene standing next to woman at the banquet table with the four horsemen. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's I mean, a great... What it, more could we ask for? Well, we could ask for less murderers, couldn't we? Well, yeah. Can I say that? You just did. (laughs) It's my coping mechanism for getting through these without uh, feeling immensely awkward.
0: So we're basically being shown how the Horson previously attacked Joe Gomez and Renegade and how um, Steve McMichael smacked Robert Gibson over the head with the briefcase to um, win a tag match for the Horseman. So it looks like we've got the Horseman against the Rock and Roll Express, Joe Gomez and Renegade. Yeah, we um, we're,
1: oh, we're, that's all right. that's we cool. are we are being told that uh, there's a thing between Joe Gomez and Renegade, aren't we? There's some sort of backstory there. It's a bit of a half-baked storyline, but a storyline nonetheless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Elizabeth actually yeah, delivering a good line there.
0: Yeah, she's, ah! she's been given line. And I do believe she's in leather, Liam.
1: Uh, Liz in leather, massive fan.
0: So uh, they're basically saying that they've got plenty of money via Liz, via the
1: divorce from Matt Jones. Ladies are carrying this promo so far. But here comes on Anderson to back clean up. <laughs> Um, he says they, they're they not the Supreme Court, but they run the wrestling world. So he's going to be an eight-man tag. And they're hyping up well with this. Mm. Banquet table.
0: When we get to full strength, heads are going to roll. Tonight will be a visual aid. You've got to love an Arn and promo. The,
1: uh, the irony that we've had like a pay-per-view that's put the horseman back on top back full hill, back full strength. And they're about to be eclipsed the following pay-per-view by one, of the greatest hill factions of all time.
0: Yep.
1: Now, it was such a good promo. And then they put him on the mic.
0: Hey, it was all right there. I mean, it was a brief, a brief couple of lines. And we're finishing off with Flair who's being told that
1: Savage is in the building and being restrained. Come on, Rick. Full, full amped Rick Flair play. There we go. He's already having a seizure.
0: Flair's up. He's on the table. standing on his chair. He's going to stand on the table probably.
1: Please don't strip. Yep. DDP was joking early. You don't have to submit to a strip <laughs> search. So, um,
0: yeah, we have, um, We, we've We've gone from a, a, a dignified, somewhat even sinister pro, a promo to Flair just going
1: nuts. To, to be fair, I, I've got to agree with you to an extent. I think every everyone in, everyone got mic time and everyone did. At worst, did a decent job with their lines. And obviously, the highlight you got Flair and Anson, and all three of the ladies punching above their weight on the on the verbals. Um, because even even woman, she was always a great manager and a great personality, but not necessarily a, a talker per se. I remember some of her promos in the NWA era those W were actually quite wretched. But she was more of a she was more of a presence, wasn't she? But mm. she did well there. Deborah was always quite underrated with Confident Lions. As long as she doesn't show up like three sheets to the wind like she did at Backlash two thousand. Um, yeah, Elizabeth was shockingly good. And Benoit and Mongo didn't stink up the joint.
0: Talking of stinking up the joint, <laughs> here comes Disco Inferno. We're on a roll, is Dean. Glissable. Yeah, his gliss
1: Yeah, uh, because we're going we're to insist on rolling forwards with this uh, Disco Dean Malenko style clash coming up at the pay-view, yeah. aren't we? Rob McNichol's wet dream. Disco <laughs> versus Malenko. Which yeah, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but it definitely wasn't great. And let's face facts. Instead, you could have disco in an actual entertaining comedy match, and Dean Malenko tear the house down. But hey, here we go. <laughs> I always love Shy his long suffering tone when he's cut off by something like this. (laughs) He still does a good job of that in AEW now. If if the right person's like clashing with him, he gets that perfect tone of voice, doesn't he? Yeah. Here comes the dancing.
0: That's not his music.
1: No. Whose music is that? I
0: thought it's rather sinister. Um.
1: Larry Zabisco says he's been to Japan. I'm guessing we're getting a Japanese opponent. He says he's been to Japan. He's been to the Hard Rice Cafe. Uh, There's a different time. Kurosawa, who has appeared once or twice
0: before. So this is... um... Manabu Nakanishi, isn't he? I believe. Yes. Kurosawa.
1: I want to say he's done a Nitro. And did he also do Starcade 95? Or was he not on yes. that squad?
0: He may not have been Kurosawa then, wouldn't he? But yeah, he's definitely. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did, yeah.
1: He may or may not have wrestled as part of Team Japan at Starcade 95. To be fair, the guys running WCW and actually producing Starcade 95 on the night probably didn't know whether or not he was on the side.
0: No, but of course, because he's a Japanese wrestler in WCW, he has to have a martial arts gimmick.
1: Yes, and ominous Japanese music, which explains our confoundment there. But we should have known there must have been Japanese wrestler music. I, I wasn't
0: too bothered about the music; it was sort of more you know generic sinister heel kind of music. But it's um, it's it's the way that they didn't. Present anyone with a personality match, and mm. they were they were all martial arts experts. It was, I mean, and, the, I suppose the only the only one that was slightly different was was Liger because of the costume and therefore the personality that came with that. Because you know, as a guy under a mask, you have to do a lot more with your body to 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 put cross emotion. And then, of course, the Great Butai, just because of the spectacular look and the spectacular moves he could do.
1: Yeah. It's true. I mean, to be fair, on that music, I, I could definitely hear some of the, the synths and the and the, and the the instruments were the usual ones they used for Japanese music. But to WWE's yeah. credit, they would dip into a rotation of six or seven different generic tracks, whereas the WWE, I think, just yeah. gave everyone the Orient Express theme.
0: Orient Express music, yeah.
1: Which actually was a really good theme, but when you use it for every Japanese wrestler, it loses its gleam. Yeah.
0: So, Disco Inferno is now trying and failing to do martial arts, but he got a good pop when he kind of did a praying mantis style pose to mock Kurosawa.
1: Well, they're, they're, they're obviously trying to really put across this whole clash between silly disco and any serious wrestler ahead of where we're headed with Malenko. Yeah. Funny thing is, is this is already much more watchable because... He, he's he's playing off Kurosawa quite well and obviously this is making a, a Japanese imports assignment much easier for them because they're playing into a simple yeah. narrative. Whereas Dean Malenko, he, he could mesh into any technical wrestling style or even ones that weren't technical, but he, he could mesh well with any sort of actual grappling style but he never really could mesh with the whole uh, pageantry of it, like even when someone would try to wrestle Dean Malenko with uh, the, you know, lots of Irish whips and back body drops, Dean Malenko would would struggle and have to slow down a bit. And one of the reasons yeah. why that match with Sting from an early edition of Nitro was so good was that Sting actually worked Dean Malenko style and not, yeah, not he didn't force him to do the the other way round. Uh, and that was always, you, you can't slot Dean Malenko into other people's things. Not like that. Yeah. And, and
0: you know, Sting could easily in that match have, have insisted that Malenko work a Sting match.
1: And that discos well, now Disco's Music's thing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it clearly rattled us both at the same, what the...
0: Someone is dressed up in like an Elvis jumpsuit. I don't know who this is. The disco ball has come down.
1: Oh, oh he's god. going to smash him with it. That looked like it mildly inconvenienced him. Yes. And the, the ball's still dangling low as the referee comes back. Oh my god, that was garbage. Who is this disco guy? much Much akin to, I don't know, Dean, a lumberjack match filled with zombies. This is the sort of thing that if it happened on the current product, you would cringe. But I suppose, looking back in retrospect, we can just laugh. But that was awful. Oh, man. So... We are we are now uh, come up to half an hour through this, and we've still got another hour of action to come, and we've yeah. had a little bit of everything so far. Um,
0: well, it, it's certainly it's certainly moving fast, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's, We we've said before sometimes they've felt like they've dragged or been filler, and so far it's been it's been it's been hit after hit, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. Whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, and I think both of those last two you got with a Disco Inferno match, um, yeah. it has been watchable, and that's our metric. That is, that is how we do this. So, they show a little clip before this match coming up. We've got Scotty Riggs coming out to the ring, and they showed a clip which um, I think was DDP beating down someone. I don't know if it was Riggs or someone else, and I think... Marcus Bagwell rushed out for the save. So now we've got Riggs and DDP. There, there was no voiceover on that clip, by the way. So we're having to piece this together ourselves.
0: No, I don't know what's gone on. I think some some typical WCW production um, snafus. And DDP is now searching some some schmuck in the back to check that they haven't got his uh, battle bowl ring.
1: <laughs> it's always been.
0: When when he's, you <laughs> he's searching everyone. He's getting them to turn their pockets out.
1: When you see certain wrestlers on on the same show go to such attention to detail and little nuances and little little quirks to their whole thing, and then you see other wrestlers just do the very basic poses and smiles, and it's all the same cookie cutter stuff. And it's all on the same show. There's the same wrestlers run good details and add that little effort and Ooh. the same wrestlers don't you you have you, you can only help but you can't help but assume i should say that page backstage is really instrumental in adding this to his character because it's always him who does this it's always him that dresses in rags when he's lost money It's what you, you know what i mean
0: yeah definitely it's as you say it's it's putting those little details. It's the you know, we've seen this with with like some of the things that, that Lord Stephen Regal does. It's those little touches that you remember and you notice and stands you out from the crowd, as you say.
1: Yeah. And um there's a screening screen of Jim Duggan denying that he's stolen the, the ring. But um So Obviously, we're building to that as well, aren't we? But um, yeah, it, like it's it's uncanny that in certain companies, and, and this is this current uh, era of WCW is a great example. Where um, we're we're seeing certain wrestlers put in these little details and efforts consistently, and other wrestlers are just not. Even when opportunities arise. And we've 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 read the Nitro book by Guy Evans Dean. We've heard plenty of yep. accounts and stories from other people. Um, we we know with enough confidence from those who are there that just how much of a of a mess it was backstage. So you can just tell which which guys are making the effort, and which ones deserve to go up the card, and and which ones are just there for the cash and the ride. So when when I hear all this stuff about how you know Page was friends with Bischoff, he's well connected. Probably was. Lots lots of people have to be well connected to make it there, but he put in the effort to go with the openings. There's no denying that. Definitely, yeah. He's been all over Riggs to start. He got in a little cheap shot early on in this match, and he's it's been all Page so far.
0: And he's, he's conveying that anger of having his, his uh, battle roll ring stolen. I mean, his face, the whole, this whole match, his face has been just just pissed off, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, and another thing I'll be keeping out for closely, because I think we can presume with the career trajectories of these two at this point, we can assume this is going to be a page win no matter how the rest of the match goes. But what I'll be looking out for is... How the Diamond Cutter is received? Because we've been watching this build up, haven't we, Dean? Over week after week.
0: Yeah, the, the the Diamond Cutter is the move that people aren't kicking out. The you with that, it's
1: over. Yeah, and it obviously in retrospect, it's got the whole out of nowhere, any scenario reputation. So far, we haven't seen a lot of really cool versions of it but we have seen it come suddenly. Yes. Uh, and that has helped, even just to start. The variations will come, and the cool counter versions will come. But for now, he's just dropping people suddenly, getting the pin afterwards, and the fans are starting to pick up on the fact that it that it, that it means the end. And Yeah,
0: one because thing was... he hasn't needed to do any counters, because at the moment, the, the level of... Competition he's against aren't aren't giving him as many problems as you know an, an upper card or a higher mid card guy would.
1: Absolutely, and we've seen other finishers gain traction because of that simple formula. The one I want to bring up right now, while we're in like middle of a pretty basic match, um, is getting the diamond cutter treatment. Have you seen recent episodes of AEW Dean where former boxer Anthony Agogo, Britain's own Anthony Agogo, yeah. And I love that move because for a boxer, that's actually realistic. When we've seen the boxing crossovers in wrestling, you see Ooh. like the, the uppercut and the big punch to the face. But a lot of boxing matches are finished by a vicious liver quiver body yeah. shot. And it's good to see it there. And it's getting the yeah. same protection that the diamond cutter got. And it's starting to get over as a result.
0: And the other thing with that is he obviously knows how to throw it and make it look good because he's thrown them for for real for a lot of a lot of years, mm. and it makes sense for him to throw that as a boxer. It's a basic move. I mean, it's illegal in wrestling a closed fist. That's the only uh, logical flaw in that. But other than that, it makes perfect sense. And yeah, and if if you get hit with a decent body shot, that will completely knock the wind out of you. It's, it's,
1: it's believable. Well, it's as it's as illegal as climbing to the top rope for your finisher if you're not really fast, because you've got five seconds, and the referees have to uh, yeah. have to slow down their count and just to accommodate that. And at the end of the day, a closed fist, and I suppose also like things like the choke slam, where there's a goozle to start, and you've got your hand around their throat, it's a cool. it's a warning, a five count, a telling off. A closed fist, yeah, as as we know, a closed fist is technically illegal. But it's generally accepted that it's also not an immediate disqualification. It's a telling yeah. off. So, yeah, you, you can get away with that, especially in mo- modern parlance. But I think I think one, the, one of the main reasons to have closed fists as a you shouldn't do that thing is it just makes it... When they used to do uh, grudge matches back in the day, it would make it a bigger deal that two... Rivals go into the ring dressed in casual clothes with their fists tape and just trade punches for the majority of the thing. Here we go. Bang. Look at that part. There
0: you go. I'm pretty much out of nowhere. And a, a reaction of sorts, isn't there? Look, there's people in the background
1: with their arms up. Absolutely audible reaction to that. Yeah. You can see individual yeah. crowd members like stand up with their arms raised, almost, almost basking in it. And that's generally a sign of they've. They've been shipping that that move. They've been talking to their mates, going to the show and saying, yeah, I like DDPs, he's cool now. I want to see a diamond cutter tonight. And because they've been bigging it up, when they see it, they stand up like that or by themselves, don't they? And they're like to their mates, ah, yeah, here we go. That's what I came in. That's what I paid to see. And if you're getting that, you're connecting to the audience. Yeah. I mean, as you say, it was much more audible than visual,
0: looking at the crowd behind us. But, uh, yeah, you definitely noticed that
1: um, that reaction. That was that was the most fluid Diamond cut we've seen. We were saying about there's not been a lot of counter ones, but he floated out of a move and hit there. Probably the best Ooh. one to date, chronologically. We know better ones are to come. More importantly, I would say that's one of the better semi-squashes I've seen. If we had to count something because of semi-squash, in that he's not battered in, but he's controlled most of the match. And especially considering yeah. normally that he's uh he, he gives his opponent a lot, doesn't he? With the comedic selling. But he's doing his whole now, angered yeah. Yeah,
0: he's now with Mean Jean who says he thinks he knows who's got his ring.
1: So uh, this is this is a seminal performance for him. He's he's coming across like more of a threat now. And and as you said, uh, being pissed off about the theft of the ring is helping him do that. Yeah.
0: So this is actually, yeah, I didn't realize this is the go-home show before Bash at the Beach. They said next Sunday.
1: As in a week Sunday next Sunday or...
0: Oh, is it? I don't know. It's just check in me, I think, I think it's... He's checking me, James. Suspects everyone, DDP.
1: Oh, it's great! It really is great watching wrestlers yeah, segments. Beach.
0: Sorry, Bash at the Beach was July seventh, ninety six. This is July first. So oh, this is wow! The Before the phrase "Go Home" show. was ah, really
1: this, is, this so. We've got to remember that the whole landscape is going to change the next time we Ooh. do a watch along. And I've Definitely. enjoyed, I've enjoyed pre-NWO WCW to an extent, especially with no Hogan around. He'd get a bit more bearable in the black, obviously. But yeah. um,
0: and if memory serves me right, the first, at least the first two nitros, are basically just the shock of the, the shock of Hogan and the NWA forming
1: which itself helped, because then when they did show up again, it was another invasion. Um, yeah. Add Greg the Hammer Valentine to the long list of uh, bum wrestlers who've used the Hollywood Blondes for Hollywood it. Blondes use it, yes. Well, there were people who use it before the Hollywood
0: Blondes, and then obviously there are people who used it afterwards, but my favorite well, non-blond one. blondes were in WWF by this point.
1: Yeah, they? that's true. My my favorite non-blond use of it was Blitzkrieg, I think. But then I liked Blitzkrieg. He wow. was great. Oh wow! This is a WrestleMania Four rematch. Is it? Yeah, because Valentine was one of Savage's victims as he went all the way to the heavyweight championship in that tedious tournament. Oh no 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 no, that, no oh, Randy! No, don't dis, do it.
0: Macho's disrespecting the ve- the oh, banquet table. Oh, Randy! He's he's throwing the throwing the candlesticks off. He's chucked a plate of fruit around. Heinous. Well, you know,
1: we are recording this on the tenth anniversary of the Macho Man's passing, and um, it'll be a nice time to reflect upon what a great wrestler and what a, what a what a seminal personality he was. But um, he's come out here wearing his Carbuncles <laughs> Macho Man outfit and he's just ruined the table. And now I'm just not in the mood. He's really upset me, Dean. He's disrespected the banquet table. And he's wearing Ultimate Warrior face paint. He really is crazy.
0: Well, I think it's, it's more stink, but I can certainly mean Shades of Warrior, Yes. So I suppose yeah, there's oh. a
1: solidarity with his team coming up. Yeah.
0: So um is this surely a man, the experience of Greg Valentine, they can just knock up a, a macho man formula <laughs>
1: nitro match. <laughs> yes. here. These two these two are going to sleepwalk through this match, aren't they? Shall we have You'd shall we have so. a quick doze while they're doing the same? <laughs>
0: And, of course, Valentine never wore knee pads. She always looks weird in American wrestling. British wrestling, you're used to it, but American wrestling didn't, didn't. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I, I remember when, I think, I think a couple of wrestlers like Goldberg uh, would wear knee pads, and then he had a phase where he took the knee pads off for, for a little while, and... Uh, it'd really throw me off because it, it just looks so weird, especially when they had worn knee pads and then they get rid of them.
0: Oh. And also, have you seen pictures of, of, of Greg the Hammer Valentine, like, you know, these days, recent? And he just he looks exactly the same. Yeah. And I think that's because he looked ancient in 1996.
1: Well, in in these days, in 2021 greg valentine now just strikes me as the thing i remember most is the fact that he was one of several wrestlers to come out with silly comments about women wrestlers he said some stuff about how he, that he, women shouldn't be wrestling and they should be at home and stuff like that but he was one of the few who actually then addressed his comments a couple years later and kind of I, want, I don't know if he retracted as, as much as he He said since he said that he has watched women's wrestling and has to admit that they are actually doing a good job. But he also said he was yeah. just he, he did say he would never be comfortable with seeing women wrestle because that, is, that was his upbringing. I get, I get that. But he apologised for being crass about it and he said they are actually really good at it. Okay. Which is refreshing well, he's because he's, that's a human yeah, he's response. He's not- yeah, at least he's got the ability to kind of change his position a bit. when, when people and say and really, yeah, when people say really dumb, provocative crap, and then they come back and they say, "Oh, I'm so sorry, that was that was wrong of me." I really can't, I don't appreciate them saying the crap, but I can't really take their apology at face value because it sounds like someone's, you know, it's a PR thing. and Someone's pushed them front and yeah. center and gone apologize. The one, his, the one
0: that always gets me is when you get people who saying it, it, it doesn't reflect my views or my beliefs or something. It's yeah. that what it must do, because otherwise you wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah.
1: It's, I, yeah. Either your views and beliefs are that you just chat a load of shit to get a reaction, or they are your views and beliefs and you are bellend. Yeah. But um, but even, even if people may still not agree with Valentine's to this day, he offered one of the most human and nuanced and normal takes on it, after saying something that was out of line, uh, he he went back to it. It was on a Reddit AMA. So if you look up Greg Valentine Reddit AMA, you'll find it. You shouldn't have to scroll down too far to find the uh, – I think it was, one, it was one of the most reacted to, understandably so, questions and answers. So it's quite high up on the, on the list. And it's a okay, good AMA well, altogether for anyone who wants to check that out. Cool.
0: By the way, this is certainly following the Macho Man formula right now, isn't
1: it? I'm so glad we're going off on a side conversation because this is not the time. This is not really a play-by-play podcast. That's not fun. And this is, yeah. if, even if it was, this is definitely not the time to do it. Yeah.
0: One thing I, that is worth mentioning is when um, when Jim Neidhart toured with us at Hamlock Wrestling, I always remember we asked him who had the hardest chops in wrestling, expecting him to say Ric Flair, and he answered with Greg the Hammer Valentine.
1: Oh, I was going to Ooh, say that. I were, thought
0: we were going to the end of the match there. They, they were advertising Savage, the. F- sorry, Savage
1: got intercepted. Yeah. Coming they off were, the top. They're advertising the end of the hour. So I was thinking there's no way they're going to drop the elbow now. Sounds <laughs> a bit weird. It's weird timing to do. Yeah.
0: They're going to wait until that second hour comes up. People might be flicking channels and see the Macho Man dropping the elbow.
1: Well,. This this match has gone a little bit longer than your typical uh, Randy Savage squash. Might be about yeah. to finish here, though. We still want yeah, the referee,
0: countdown. Referee getting time cues in his ear.
1: Yeah. Oh, here's the... They are going for the finish bang on the hour. Yeah. Uh so... That, that, was the, that was the design, but it was a bit clunky. I was thinking, why would they do that? But, no, they wanted to set off the fireworks to the... Uh, I was gonna say, Greg Hammer Valentine by this point in the match is just getting warmed up. Did you know that? Exactly. That is well known fact. Lee. <laughs> One of my favourite pieces of wrestling trivia, I think. <laughs> along with along with you have to see the big show in person to appreciate just how big he is. Indeed. Speaking of the devil. We are or well, maybe not up next, We so it said coming up, but we are due a giant yeah. appearance very soon. We are indeed.
0: So we are introducing the second hour with Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan. Oh, and, and Eric is attending some personal business. It's oh, of oh, course, this is his back. first show back, yeah. isn't
1: it? So if you'll remember, Dean... When when the storyline dropped of Bischoff joining the New World Order later on, he said he gave it some thought after he was put in the hospital. So for all we're to know now, he's actually coming round to the New World Order. He's bad mouthing Nash for doing the power bomb right now, but from the from the promo he gave after Turning Hill, for all we know, he's now starting to buy into the concept and he's siding with the invaders. That is a very good point.
0: I Lovely bit of wonderful. retcon.
1: Yeah, well, if we're going to do a, a retro watch along, we might as well retcon a little. I don't think we're. Spo- Sorry if I've spoiled how this goes for anyone. <laughs> you know, one of the, uh,
0: can you spoil something 25 years after it's happened on
1: a podcast for diehard wrestling fans about one of the biggest angles in wrestling history I'm really <laughs> sorry if I've given it away <laughs> but yeah so now we're going into the hype for the horseman Steve Michaels says <laughs> yeah The fact that he got rid of Muck and added an S. I think maybe Bischoff has his WWE Raw monitor on again and he's kind of seen that.
0: Now what I don't get is that we've got as the focus of the focus of this Nitro main event is going to be the, the newly completed four horsemen together as a unit. And we're a week away from Bash at the Beach. Wouldn't it have been better to have Savage Hogan, sorry Savage Luger and Sting in a six-man tag. Yeah,
1: There's a big. ruckus going on behind. behind.
0: Yeah. I imagine it must be the uh, outsiders. Yes, Here indeed it is.
1: And they've got, got snacks
0: and pop. Yeah.
1: Like, I I begin to suspect that they may have tickets going by these little telltale yeah. signs.
0: But like I said, it's always tickets in the front row. And why have they shown up just for the second hour?
1: They're fashionably late, Dean, of course. Bishop says they're not scaring anybody, except for Bobby Heenan. Yes.
0: I'm, I'm just intrigued as to where they end up sitting. And is it the front
1: row. He's barging all the kids out. Oh, I love that. Get out of the way, kid.
0: Oh, look at that! They're front row. What a surprise! Here's the tickets. There's there's, uh, there's Nash with his ticket.
1: Yep. They are They are before this became a massive cliche. They are ticket buying fans, and they are right to sit there. Yeah. Obviously, it becomes a whole different kettle of fish if they hop the rail and do something stupid. Indeed, and they're offering
0: Doug Dellinger and the Police popcorn.
1: And and, and remember, some yeah. fan just took some popcorn. Think, if I was if I was a Nitro attendee of every any other city so far since it started in '95, I'd be really hurt because these guys in Maryland are getting offered free popcorn from a star, and yep. I would have only been offered free Hulk Hogan merchandise. I'd be forced to wear. <laughs> Yes, that is a raw deal.
0: Well, Bischoff has pointed out that he only sees two of them still. So, obviously, well, as we know from going into the pay per view, even at the beginning of the, the main event of Bash at the Beach '96, there is no third man
1: identified. And what an atmosphere it built. We've seriously, we say this every time we do a watch long range time frame. Go back and check out our. Uh, Uh, Our Bash of the Beach episode. Please apologise for the fact that we had Rob McNichol on. It goes three hours, but it's worth it. There's plenty of good stuff happening. Um, It's a
0: good three hours. We get some great analysis and insight from Rob and and yourself and me, of course. But. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it goes on for a long time, but there's a hell of a lot to talk about. was one of the most infamous pay-per-views in wrestling history.
1: I would and, go... And
0: infamous in a good way. Yeah. Because let's face it, we've had some WCW infamous pay-per-views in a very bad way.
1: <laughs> I would go as far as to say that we went three hours because there was that much to talk about first. Yeah. And then second, we went three hours because Robert Nick was on. Only second because to of, the first time. Yes. And it's not many podcasts, and he's been on a lot. There's not many podcasts that can say that.
0: Here comes John Tenter in his mix-and-match outfit and no entrance music. He's still got half a year. He's still
1: got half his head
0: shaved.
1: Yeah, he needs that as a reminder of what Ray Trailer did to him about two months and eight John Tenter beatings ago. I did not realise until we did these watch-alongs just how one-sided that feud was. Because as I said on that aforementioned bash at the beach episode, I didn't think the um, the pay- or the um, the silver dollar match between him and Ray Trailer, I didn't think it was that bad. I kind of enjoyed it. They they do little little things you want to see in more modern wrestling with the storytelling and the payoffs. Even though obviously they're not the the most athletic wrestlers at this juncture. I enjoyed the feud ender, but it turns out Tenter had actually been thumping him every week and at the Great American Bash to the point where, you know, I'm sure they'll do something to add a little extra heat on it after this match with the Giant. But no, the the, the horse has bolted by this stage for me. So we've got the extra security in the aisle because we've got Hall and Nash there. Is there going to be a be better just having here?
0: some security next to Hall and Nash, although I suppose we don't know who the third man is, so we don't know where he might be.
1: Uh, Heenan wants to know if um, the Giant can get Tenta up for the chokeslam. Not only am I pretty sure it's already happened, but I'm also certain this is the only reason <laughs> this match is happening.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: I still maintain what we said in that Great American Bash 96 pay-per-view that they should have put... They should have just put the belt on Luger. I know that they've built up the giant well, but they could have just done a Ric Flair versus Vader like underdoggy. You know what I mean? Little fluke win. Happy ending. Move Not the, like the giant... <laughs> the giants are uh, going to feud with the horsemen. The giants are heel here and... The horseman really been built up his hill. He's he's forgetting six days, it's the horseman versus Dungeon of Doom. They may as well just move the belt off of him. And then you have Luger, you know, I know he he gets removed from the tag match early, but you make that sting instead, perhaps. And you have Luger and Savage get the beatings from Hogan and the Outsiders. And there you've got the title match and the first serious challenger, because of course. We've got Hogan and Savage at Halloween Havoc '96, also covered already. That was a very early one. Mm.
0: That was the Halloween Havoc that was basically sponsored by Slim Jim.
1: Oh yeah. Slim Jim, Slim Jim, Slim Jim. It's a pepperami, everyone. Well, I can't say it anymore because we've got a lot of American listeners. But yeah, yeah, I can. It's your Slim Jims are pepperonis, and pepperonis are better. Sorry, guys. I, I've
0: never had I've never had a Slim Jim to compare, but a Pepperami is good stuff.
1: It's it's firmer and it comes in a different variety of flavors and neither of those are necessarily a better thing. I see. Can't beat a pepperami fire stick. That is the that is the the goat, the greatest of all time.
0: Anyway, back to the action <laughs> after our talk about savory sausage snacks. Of course, the other thing with Slim Jim is it's been it's well known as been said before that the um the amount of money that WCW got from Slim Jim for advertising Slim Jim using Savage during their show is basically paid for Savage's deal so they effectively got Randy Savage for free
1: which meant that WCW unfortunately had to find other ways to waste millions of dollars but they did you uh, yeah. you'll be pleased they to know the guys they
0: they found ways they, oh, yeah
1: they did it in ways that had never been conceived before they were they were so good at it oh Kiss demon, big but body slam. I did love what bumps. you said there though, Dean. By the way, when you went, uh, enough talk about savoury sausage snacks. By the way, the slim jim deal with OCW, yeah, it
0: just suddenly popped into my head.
1: Yeah, um, this has been decent so far. i got to say, it was good to see very early on in this match. John Tenta threw a barrage of right hands at the giant, and the giant sold them big. And obviously, he doesn't get a lot of a chance to do that. But it's believable that John Tenter would rock the giant because he's only a few inches shorter. He's obviously yeah. probably... At uh, this stage, he's probably a little heavier. The Paul White would soon remedy that. Uh, John is no,
0: one of those guys that when you see him when, in the flesh, when you meet him, he's, he was a hell of a lot bigger than you thought. Billy Gunn's the same. And Jack Swagger, um, Jake Hager, guys who are, are, for some reason, don't look as big on TV than they actually are in in the flesh. Yeah. There is someone like the Giant, obviously he
1: does, because he's bloody massive. Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, was one of those guys early on showing up in AEW to make you think, oh, no, are they just going to use too many WWE rejects? But um, as it turns out, especially with the close... Relationship with Jericho um, and the inner circle group as a whole, it's it's used him in a way that WWE really should because WWE wanted to use him as you know a, a regular sized guy. How they expect most guys to be sized, and he lost something as a result. But but as the yeah. as the muscle as the big guy of the group, it comes across a lot better because he's rolling with guys like Sammy Guevara and, and um, yeah, I was going to call yeah, I was going to call them Yeah. I was going to call them They're not technically LAX. They, they were some, at one some point.
0: Santana and Yeah.
1: I never really liked that when they tried to roll that whole proud and powerful, never really liked that yeah. as a team name for them. Mostly because they, up until very recently, they were heels. Maybe it'll work now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's, Rest, he wrestles alongside much smaller guys, and he can throw his weight around, and he can do the whole big man Godzilla King Kong thing with Wardlow, which it, you know that was an awesome match, and they'll probably have another awesome match now that they're feuding. But um, yeah, the, the the size can it can really be taken for granted. Sometimes having smaller wrestlers around the bigger guys helps. Yeah. As as Grove same... <laughs> I was going to say Groove yeah. as Groove Armada put If everybody looked the same, we, get, the tired same. we looking... get
0: tired of looking. At <laughs> each other, <indeed.
1: laughs>
0: but each you know it's, it's it's a similar psychology to why, you, know, you have small referees to make the rest of look bigger. Yeah. And thinking about the um, there's that great visual um at the very beginning of the giant V Lockness match from Uncensored 96, where you've got um, Pee Wee Anderson as the referee, the smallest ref on the roster. And the fact he's got that match, is no coincidence. And he is just standing at sort of chest level
1: to these two men looking up. And it's such a good visual. Yes. um, And, yeah, that, that can help the whole roster when they do that. But at the same time, I've never been that phased if there's a match where the referee's taller than both guys. I've, I've heard certain provocative podcasts whine about Oh, look, how can I enjoy this match? The referee's taller than them. Well, funnily enough, I actually happen to feel confident in the knowledge that the referee can't hit the ropes at 50 miles an hour and he can't backflip out of a suplex attempt. So, it <laughs> goes well, both just, ways.
0: Wow, just going back to the action in the ring, John Tenter has just hit a, a vertical splash off the second rope. And a massive drop kick on the Giant. And he's now brought Jimmy Hart in the ring. Kevin Sullivan's come out, and he's attacking Kevin Sullivan. The Giant's going up at the end of the match. is surely nigh. But that was an amazing bit of athleticism. A drop kick from uh, from the Giant. is out here now. And here we go. It's chokeslam time.
1: Here's the chokeslam. Did you see that? Eric says, Yes, we saw it. We saw it a few weeks ago as well, I'm pretty sure. And oh, he's going to clip him again. So, yeah, I figured they were going to reheat this. He's and going for the beard this time.
0: <laughs> Yo, leave, leave a hit for the moustache.
1: And here's Sullivan and Giant being full-fledged heels six days before they're going to be de facto baby faces against the Horsemen. Oh, it's such a blur sometimes. And yeah, the outside suppose, is going to blur it more.
0: I, I suppose you, yeah, you you, uh, you want it to come across as completely unplanned because if I remember rightly, we'll, we'll see it next next watch long, I guess. Yeah, you know, the baby faces and the heels of WCW are united. Against the NWO,
1: which I think would have made a better impact if it was super duper clear, you know, if if they're on one side of a line rather than hill heel versus hills before the the New World Order come in. But obviously it di- it didn't hinder it too much, but it definitely would have been more impactful had they not been running hill hill stuff before doing the invasions or oh, coming future yeah. episodes. Mean Jean's on the case for the Dungeon of Doom. Well, the horseman got mic time earlier, so why not? Go on, attack Mean Gene. Shave his moustache off. <laughs> That'd be funny. Just for shits and giggles. Threatening uh, the horseman. Yeah, uh... They really had to try and revive this feud because it's been so one-sided in Tenter's favour, hasn't it? Yes. Here's the uh, nickels in the sock.
0: There we go. We're setting up the Carson City Silver Dollar match.
1: The Carson City Silver Dollar match.
0: A load of uh, coins, silver coins in a sock on a pole. Whoever grabs it can use it.
1: So, uh... Stipulations, apparently, for the tag match. We know, um... We know that the Horsemen get a world title shot if they win the tag match. I remember that. But uh, he... Go on.
0: So, yeah, yeah, they'll get a title shot if they win the match at the pay-per-view.
1: Mean Gene alluded to... Uh, no, it won't be at the pay-per-view. It'll be on an episode of Nitro. But Mean Gene alluded to a couple of other stipulations. Never, <laughs> Never
0: trust a horse.
1: <laughs> well, dude, they're He's, called the uh, horsemen. Different thing, yeah. but okay.
0: Maybe, maybe... Uh, the giant had some some
1: bad times at the bootmakers. <laughs> yeah. He didn't do well in the Grand National. No. He he had no faith in a female jockey. Fortunately, Dean, I did and I was quids in. I'm pleased three. Really? How'd you get on? Didn't bother. You lost? No, I don't
0: I don't bother betting on the Grand National. I'm not a good big fan of horse racing.
1: So you lost.
0: Well, I didn't. I didn't lose. I didn't put a bet on.
1: <laughs> he lo- listeners. He lost. You can tell.
0: <laughs> I did, however, lose the glue factory sweepstakes. That's the thing. That's reason.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have that for the Kentucky Derby as well over in the states. I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah. So, Kevin Sullivan's whittling on about something.
1: Oh, that's good. I mean, it's weird that they're doing a promo while Tenner's still in the ring, because you'd imagine he'd come too, but they've actually acknowledged the fact that Tenner's getting back to his feet. So everyone except for the Giant has legged it mid-interview. Yes. I like that. It's a good touch. And, and Jimmy Hart saying, come on, Giant, let's get out of here before we catch a, an, yeah. another bit of action. Obviously, quit while yeah, you're come
0: ahead. Come on, the, the chips have just cooked.
1: Yeah, it, that. you'd obviously fancy the Giant to beat the crap out of him a second time, but he... Jimmy Hart's smart. He knows preserve, preserve his man. They got the beating on him, got the victory. Let's get out of there. Big tag match in six days. Yep. See, it's not been a bad episode so far. I hope nothing ruins it. I'm not saying that in knowledge, by the way. I'm I'm genuinely hoping that we keep on this course. It's it's not been bad at all. Oh,
0: is this, is this a Randy Savage? Yes, it's a Randy Savage Slim Jims promo.
1: Snap into it. So what's right. coming up this Saturday well, at 6.05, Dino? Yeah.
0: Well, we've got the American Males against the Rock and Roll Express. Diamond Dallas Page in singles oh. action, which means a squash. Chris Benoit and the Cobra. It's the Cobra? Sting and Savage and Luger. Six-man tag team. Ah, so there you go. Sting, Luger and Savage. In the six-man tag match on Saturday night.
1: There's tune-up so, fights, and then there's taking like, an assignment very late on.
0: Yeah, there's, that's that's the day before the pay-per-view, so I guess that makes sense. But but we had we had said that by this point, Nitro had established itself as the top show.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that is the flagship now. But obviously, when you got a, I remember Heat did a good job of leading into pay per views for for a little while, didn't it? And it was definitely cool. behind Raw, but they'd still have. Uh, I, I dare say, you know, and we are, we are, we have been established as as not big fans of the general Vince Russo booking style in this podcast to the point where we've actually had a couple of followers leave us in recent weeks because we have made jokes at his expense. You know, oh. they, they'll, they'll yeah, they'll they'll find their echo, their nice happy echo chamber elsewhere. I'm sure, but um. But one thing I will say, there were there were obviously times where he's done some effective stuff and you know, we all enjoyed WWE in nineteen ninety eight when he had the, the reins on his on his creative input and one of the things of the Russo era that did work was heat was must watch stuff, especially before a pay per view. It worked as a good lead in to a pay per view. Mm. And that was one of the few times that Russo writing probably led to pay-per-view buys, because oh, we we've, sure we've got, Bischoff, didn't.
0: we've got Bischoff <laughs> telling us to stop the Rey Mysterio trailer, because something's happening. The oh. outsiders have got, um, got themselves a microphone. How's that happen?
1: So now they're out of their seats, you'd think they would uh, They have every right now to kick them out. Because Enzo Amore got kicked out for this! <laughs> 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 he did. What a tie in. No wonder Enzo so, thought we could are. get away with this. Oh, they're over the rail. Here we go.
0: And security are trying to hold them back. Oh, there's lots of security. And now Savage and Sting and Luger are out as well.
1: <laughs> Nash calling they're them clowns, clowns, with clowns with their makeup. Yeah. Oh, big sell now for the main event.
0: And um, with Steiners are out as well. Savage is uh trying to get at them, but that's because Savage is out of control. Yeah,
1: did you did you not know that Savage is crazy? I'd heard the real Oh, and all the hills are there as well. Ah.
0: So uh, we've got a bit of a face-off. There's not much of a crowd reaction, seeing as what's well going on. We've got the Dungeon of Doom and Diamond Dallas Page out as well. And as as Bischoff just said, the, the whole WCW locker room is out putting every difference aside to face off against these people that are battling their own promotion.
1: Yeah, this, this might be... Uh... This might be playing in front of the wrong crowd because the crowd are now currently chanting Diesel.
0: (laughs) Why is is Nash chanting
1: Attica? I don't know. I don't know if it's some Uh, sort of uh, response to obviously he's hearing the sort of chant he doesn't want to hear so he's responding. I don't know.
0: And uh, Heenan's saying the third guy might still be here, which is a very nice uh, tie-in. Just reminding us that there is a third person who we don't know the identity of yet, obviously.
1: So this is is very ahead of its time, this sort of thing. I'll, I'll say that much. That might not be helping, but the crowd really don't seem to appreciate what's in front of them. But they did appreciate the diamond cutter earlier.
0: Yeah. So when you say it's ahead of its time, what do you mean by that? Well,
1: we we have not. It, it's '96, and we've not had a lot of these sort of angles where a couple of guys have bought tickets to sit in the crowd. Honestly, it's it's definitely not the first time. I'm not saying it's the first time, but it got a lot more cliche in the attitude and ruthless aggression eras. That whole gimmick. And then they've come out of the crowd, and then you've got faces and heels alike standing off with them to stop them from doing anything. This is definitely not the sort of thing you would expect on a mid, to early to mid '90s wrestling TV show. So I wanted to give the crowd a little bit of leeway for for not expecting that, not knowing how to react, but they decide to entertain themselves sad, by chanting Diesel, Diesel. So yeah. They're about as entertaining those fans as the uh, there's the guys who still chant Husky Harris at Bray Wyatt. Yeah.
0: I mean, we've had we've had a very very mild reaction to the Diamond Cutter. We had a big reaction to the Macho Man elbow drop. I thought I thought, the, about
1: it. I thought the 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 audio for the Diamond Cutter was good. Not as loud as the thing, but I thought it was pretty good.
0: And it's uh, The Mean Gene Backstage with Hacks or Jim Duggan. Talking about going to the toilet. He's found the ring. In the toilet. (laughs) Oh, here we Ah. go. So he's got the ring on his little finger. And he says that he would wear a bigger ring if it was his to steal.
1: Hey, yeah. So, uh, this is building to Duggan and Page, isn't it? Was that the pay-per-view match? I believe so. And after showing so much fire in that in that I'm pissed off match, Page goes back to doing the comedic selling a lot and then kick wham cutter. <laughs> ah. DDB is just called it. Taped fist match. Uh, I I I just thought I was stumbling over my words a lot on this podcast, and we've had <laughs> DDB.
0: Here's DDP face to face. So DDP is now accusing uh, accusing Doug of stealing the ring. Oh. and he's now taping his fist up while Paige picks his ring up off the floor and has just whatted him in the head with
1: a taped fist. So this is just a friendly reminder that Hacksaw Jim Duggan is the babyface in this
0: situation. Yes, I was just about to say yeah. we've had this kind of discussion before. But yes, he found Stroke, stole the ring, then dropped it on the floor as a distraction, tapes his fist up and sucker punched DDP. Oh, oh dear. At least no one else has to be strip searched.
1: Good, good old... Good yeah, good, good old Jim. Every clown. So here's a classic bit of WCW entrance music. This one's been passed around a lot. And it's being used by the Rock and Roll Express this time.
0: Rock and Roll Express, Joe Gomez and Renegade all coming out together as one
1: unit. For some reason, I associate this theme most with Jamie Noble. But then, I am a big fan of 2001 WCW, as you know. Indeed. Have I mentioned that?
0: Very different. (laughs) Renegade looks very different to uh, how he debuted as the Warrior ripoff.
1: Yeah.
0: And now we have that classic Four Horsemen music. Just reminds me of Arne Anderson. In the out, in the four horsemen t-shirt, holding up the four fingers. Led out by the three ladies of the horsemen, woman Deborah
1: and Elizabeth. So we can imagine who's going to win this match, but then mm. they've also got to try and keep some sort of interest in Mongo Joe Gomez. So we can do process of elimination and say that surely Gomez isn't going to be pinned here.
0: I would imagining he'll be renegade, sure.
1: (laughs) Surely. But the rock and rolls are kind of just there to pick up a check and have some decent tag matches, so there's no harm in one of them eating the uh, food.
0: Yeah, they're not going to be on the
1: pay-per-view, are they? No. So... It's gonna be. You'd expect at least a decent match here, an interesting match. Uh,
0: we've got promo now for the uh, Bash at the Beach pay-per-view.
1: Invasion. I, I want to say that the build to the, the 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 pay-per-view is a little bit underwhelming, but then I would agree. In hindsight, I suppose no one imagined. That it would go down in history as being that huge, especially when you consider the fact that if we're to believe all the stories, at the time of this Nitro Dean, they weren't entirely sure that Hogan would be the third man.
0: No, but even so, and if that is true, even so, you've still got the WCW debut, and I know they've both worked there before, but as far as these characters go, it's the debut of Hall and Nash. Mm. And that in itself is surely in, enough. That and the intrigue of the third man is enough to sell the pay-per-view. Because, I mean, let's face it, wrestling fans had, generally speaking, been conditioned <laughs> to almost expect a bit of a letdown with a surprise on the pay-per-view. True. hadn't they? So, I think, even if you're thinking it's going to be you know, Lex Luke returning heel or Babe or whatever the other rumours were, the big draw is going to be Hall and Nash.
1: Yeah. And and obviously with, with the hype on who's with them as well. And I'm guessing like, I'm trying to cast my mind back to when I was younger, but I don't think I had the capacity to ride WCW regular watching into this pay-per-view. So I didn't have that feeling of who it would be. And, but I imagine those that did were probably thinking, will someone turn? you know, two two out of three on the Yeah. On on the babyface side were in WWE and they're still heavily implying that, even though they had to kind of bin it off at the Great American Bash with, No, we're not working for WWE. There's still yeah. that tone. Lugo, obviously has been straddling the hill lion a lot. He didn't dethrone the giant in the end. It it could be conceivable. So uh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of suspense because of that going into it. Yeah. At least you can rely yeah. on uh, <laughs> Ric Flair selling to get you through a nitro.
0: Yeah, Ric Flair and Ricky Morton
1: is going to be like <laughs> just textbook. Isn't oh, absolutely. You've got enough components here for a fun match. We've seen that because a couple of times the rock and roll were fought. Horseman. I think they've done Flair and Anderson, and re- more recently, they've wrestled Benoit Anderson. And yes. both times, it was just very watchable wrestling, and you'd expect nothing less here. Absolutely.
0: And you'd, you'd hope that the Rock and Roll Express will be in this match for the majority compared to Gomez and, and Renegade, yes. who can be on a more of a watching brief as to how to do this job.
1: So uh, it's good. Oh wow!
0: Benoit comes
1: in getting
0: a decent pop. I was gonna crowd. say,
1: I didn't see that coming. It's not like this is a uh, if if you're in like a a, a a vocal diehard market, yeah, Benoit was the guy who'd be getting more of a pop for his for his work rate, you know. good Places like Philly, Chicago, and other places like fair yeah. enough, but this is like the middle of nowhere with with a crowd that's not been particularly on on the ball. No,
0: well, Mean Gene said that this is near um, Washington D.C.
1: Yeah, obviously, I had the uh, the pay per view a few weeks ago in Baltimore. Now they're back in the in the state.
0: So Ben now kicking absolute shit out of Renegade in
1: the corner. And, of course, um, Bischoff has just hyped the uh, the Ric Flair-Conan match for the United States title. And that has definitely had zero hype on Nitro.
0: Oh, that's been zero, Bill. That's, that's the first time it's been mentioned. Yeah. Before. So,
1: yeah, that... That match is as cold as it seemed when you watch Bash at the Beach on its own.
0: Renegade hitting a couple of clotheslines on. Flair tags in Joe Gomez. Flair is selling big time for it. It's
1: weird seeing woman and- not cheating
0: yeah, but thinking of Flair selling so big and making these guys, uh, Gomez and Renegade, look great, let's face it, when he was NWA world champion, the touring champion, this is exactly what he'd have to do. Make the local champion, who may or may not have been a great wrestler, because sometimes it was the promoter putting put the belt on himself when they had no right to, but Ric Flair would make them
1: look a million dollars to yeah, give
0: the crowd a main event.
1: And to be honest, it's for better or for worse that he's doing this because you do realise if you've been watching long enough, especially when we're now in the national TV era and he can't just go from territory to territory and do it in front of a complete new audience, you do realise that he has the exact same match. And while I think Bret Hart was excessively crude about that, because there is a benefit to it at the end of the day... um, yeah, you you see you see that he's he's doing the same sequences. He's he's slotting these guys into what he does against everyone else, and uh, yeah. So I think there's pros and cons to it. But yeah, better better to better to give them a lot than to give them nothing. To be fair.
0: I mean, Bret Hart had a similarity to his matches as well.
1: Though. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've sided with a lot of Bret Hart's opinions. And one of the things I've always appreciated is that Bret, Bret says what other wrestlers are thinking, but he doesn't have a filter, which it, you know you're getting a, a real human opinion as a result. We were touching upon similar earlier. Um, but, yeah, that's one of the things I probably agree with the least from Bret Hart is that I thought he was harsh on Flair. And there is, a, there is a benefit to the way Flair wrestled. And yeah, you're right. There was a, you got the five moves of doom with Hart. And he'd, he'd, yeah. he'd tweak and change it up a little bit. But he also used a certain template for the most part.
0: I remember when, um, when I did that uh, speaking tour with Brett Hart. and we, I was interviewing him in different places. And when we started, I said to him, is there anything that, you, know, you don't want me to talk about or don't want me to ask you about? And, and he said, no. And then he paused and he thought and he said, actually, um, don't ask me about. And it was just about certain people who I won't say who they were because he, you know, this was said to me confidentially. But the thing was, he said, don't ask me about these people. They're people he didn't like, because basically, if you ask me, I won't be able to help myself and I'll go off on one against about them. It won't look good. And, what? and so that's exactly what, you know, what you're saying there, that he, don't, he doesn't have that filter.
1: Yeah, well, that leads. I, I know you said you wouldn't divulge any names, but using given that we've had the audio of a question I asked him at one of these shows he did, where you where you were comparing. Yeah. Uh, we've got the audio on an episode. You guys go check it out. It's a, it's a brilliant bit of insight. Sorry about the audio quality, but you can make it out. Um, I ask a question and his answer was extremely long and he goes off on loads of tangents and it began with Goldberg, which, yeah,
0: which, which leads me to believe... To the stroke.
1: Yes, it leads me to believe that Goldberg may have been one of those uh, trigger names that he didn't want to discuss, which obviously <laughs> it's, it's one thing that he, you've asked him and he's, he's given that, but obviously when you do a Q and A with the fans, you can't filter the answers. Yeah. And I'm not um, to know that he yeah. was going to go on a massive run. And yeah, he wasn't a big fan of bills, which.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Cause that, what that answer is all about um, his, his, Recovery, his symptoms and discovery and recovery from a stroke. Yeah, it sent but, him um, down
1: a rabbit hole just because the, the start was about the fact that WCW made him work concussed, which obviously with yes. 20, 2021, at the time it was 2018 eyes, with any sort of 21st century as we know that that was a horrific thing that a wrestling company did. Um, but obviously it sent him down a rabbit hole of all sorts of. Because he covered about 12 months of a dark time on his, in his life, his career. With that. Yeah, it's
0: fascinating insight, and, and, and as you said, unfiltered, just really yeah about some day-to-day things he was trying to do. Yeah,
1: but, and um, that's probably why he was happy to give those names to you and say, "I don't want to talk about them," because yeah, you 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 say bad things about them, and it's not just oh, do I want to get caught saying bad things about them? Because he already has, but he knows he's yeah. going to just go down that rabbit hole of, and it's a downward spiral which just doesn't stop, does yeah. it? and it obviously. But I
0: will. I will just. I will just say that. Bill Goldberg was not one of those names, nor was Owen Hart. But anyway, let's go back to the match here. Um, the horsemen have, have been pretty much in control for the last few minutes here, haven't they? Yeah. It, and it just it's... feels like we're, we're strolling towards the end.
1: And it's not Ricky Morton in the ring, taking the heat. No,
0: it's Joe Gomez at the moment getting his knee worked over by Flair.
1: Although I will say this about Gomez, he's doing a decent job in this role. Not only that, but McMichael tagging in for the first time earlier against Gomez got a reaction from the crowd. So even though we don't feel like we've seen enough of this apparent thing between these two who are facing off in singles at the pay-per-view, clearly across the broad spectre of WCW programming, Saturday night and other stuff, we know Nitro's the flagship show now, but across the realm, they've clearly done enough.
0: Yep, here comes McMichael again in the ring with Gomez. And and the reason that there's the pop for McMichael is to see him wrestle as a novelty. And maybe do you know what? Yeah. That's what you'll get at the main event with Bash at the Beach with Hall and Nash. The maybe novelty of the debut.
1: Yeah, maybe it had nothing to do with this feud at all. Maybe you're right. Which is a shame. I mean the match sucks. I so fuck it.
0: <laughs> I mean what? Yeah, you know, what I don't understand we we didn't have we didn't have anything on you know from Hall or Nash before they got thrown out to say that you know they will be wrestling on this pay per view. They'll get in the ring. You'll see who the third man is. Will be there's, there's, unless we've got anything to end this to tell tell us that it's been it has been an underwhelming sell for, the, for a massive massive pay-per-view
1: so um flair has need gomez out the ring and in comes a renegade it didn't look like there was a tag if there was they've completely blown the hot tag reaction and obviously with this crowd they need all the help they can get
0: So, so Renegade has slammed Flair. He's now going for something while well, Flair is absolutely miles away. Oh dear. <laughs> I think who was that, that threw the brief? Someone threw the briefcase.
1: I'll, I'll it give you a riff? clue. I'll give you a clue. There is a Twitter account dedicated to him doing things like that.
0: Mongo? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Mongo literally threw a briefcase at, Re- at Renegade that missed by an absolute mile. Renegade took a bump anyway. Flair did a figure for what the submission did. Now,
1: what? knowing WCW, I would actually be surprised if they replayed that. Would it have killed them to have just done the audible thump on the leg? Because with that briefcase it's it's a cool weapon that you can use and it won't really, really hurt. You'll feel it, but oh here we oh we're gonna get some replays. We're gonna go through the match before we get the finish it seems. So let's see if they show it again. No, they they skip it. Straight to the figure four. And, and Flair immediately reaches for Ropes and or Woman, which we miss because we're still fixated on that botched big that moment. Is, yeah. And another it horseman like problem. We're,
0: we're ending the uh, broadcast with the horseman.
1: Oh, I don't know. We've still got six minutes left. So we have. Michael's got the fire, at least. Makes up for that horrific moment. I'm going to hype all three of the matches, I think, because now it's Benoit Anson yep. up.
0: So, yeah, it is odd that we've got the world champion in a tag team
1: match. I hey, honestly might as well have got on Lou. I think it would have made more sense to uh, do Hogan Luger. But that's hindsight. Obviously, the angle went quite well, regardless. Uh, yeah. Benoit with a half decent blurb. Uh, the horsemen the woman are... staring
0: at the camera, looking <laughs> menacing.
1: Yeah, the horse the horsemen two for two so far. Two to a person as opposed to two a man because obviously we've got a four to three ratio and and the ladies have been hitting their lines Ooh. but they are kind of just going over old material obviously the 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 punch lines are good but they're doing exactly what they did at the banquet table and obviously then oh, yeah, we're yeah, going to talking, prefer
0: that flair's talking about conan now
1: oh wow must be a special occasion. Maybe we are going to get different lines.
0: So he is promising to win the US title. Now he's hyping up the tag match with the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Players now talking... Well, mean Gene's trying not to laugh. I don't know what's going on
1: here. <laughs> he's gone off on a massive tangent. I missed half of that. He's just gone off a massive tangent. And he's getting really pitchy of his voice as well. Now he's dancing with women in the aisle.
0: Give Liz a brief line. Literally one line. Half a line it gets
1: more lines. Honestly, it's yeah. Flair's mention of Conan that has made a, that, and the lack of banquet table, are the only two spot the differences you're going to find on this yeah. particular puzzle. Well,
0: because and, uh, the woman is now stroking Mean Gene's face.
1: They must have just been short for time. You may be right. Six minutes left of of the broadcast. But apparently, we've got another segment to come.
0: So, what have we got? It must be the hard sell for the pay per view of
1: some sort, surely. We're,
0: we're at the desk with Bischoff and Heath.
1: going to wrap up from the desk, I'm guessing. It's a weird finish.
0: Because. There's a, there's a security guy behind them. I don't know if you can see him between. Uh between Bischoff and, and Heaney, you can just see between them there's a security guard who looks like a cross between Paul Bearer
1: and Saddam Hussein it's quite <laughs> amazing oh well, i've seen it all now it's weird though that they've that the last match on the show it's definitely not the sort of one you'd want to finish the broadcast on It's day stuff match got some stars in there but you normally have like a, a bigger match to finish a tv show wouldn't you and they've they've then had 6 minutes of Dead air to fill almost, where they've had to repeat the Horseman promo, and we're wrapping up the uh with, with Bischoff and Heenan.
0: Yeah, I I would have surely I would have had the the encounter between the outsiders and and the WCW locker room as the last thing, as you know the, you know, I mean WCW is great at this at times the chaos as you go off the air. But, you know, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a situation. The security are trying to break it up, and the crowds are going nuts, and chaos is ensuing. Oh, so having said that, it looks like Bischoff has said something's happening backstage. He's put his headset down. Here we oh, go. Here we go. We've got, we've got Hall and Nash backstage.
1: They're being escorted out. Lots of security.
0: leaving the building
1: <laughs> security said all you got to do is get out of here and Nash said all you got to do is get a job that pays something
0: <laughs> how about I go buy all you guys a donor
1: Nash is still doing his Vinnie Vegas voice it sounds like yeah because that's not how he speaks naturally no, he's got bad knees. <laughs> the 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 oldest and most frail member of a big security. It's it's mostly like muscle bound twenties and thirties guys. A guy who looked middle aged, balding, is the one that threatens that you you, you you're gonna. What what's the saying about Nash's knees? He he made like a physical threat. And he's carrying a nightstick, but he's like he's like the least threatening of all these fake securities. Uh, maybe
0: maybe he was a no, I was gonna say maybe he's a real security and the others are indie wrestlers, but they look like extras as opposed to wrestling extras, didn't they?
1: Yeah, wasn't there like a WrestleMania Andre the Giant Battle Royal where there was like that female security guard who was obviously a legit security because yes, she's
0: with like um, K- hadn't been cleaned up about
1: Gronkowski? <laughs> so it can happen it can happen indeed
0: right well um i guess uh, thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle
1: oh that was decent enough wasn't it well it wasn't as good as last week and we can nitpick on a few things but as we said we we know that they they pretty much stuck the landing on this storyline yeah uh there's things you'd think where if i was a producer, like that you could be a little more coherent but it's all it's all nitpicking when the, when the angle lands as good as it does in 6 days you can you can cut them some slack uh yeah. it's very weird at the end though with the you'd think the time management would be a better you you'd like to think that when we watch future episodes of nitro that it won't feel like they're struggling to fill fill the 2 hours because Definitely, what yeah. what they could still i mean don't get me wrong the last two have been improved from the first four but they could easily still run such a good show with one hour.
0: Yeah, I just think, as I said, I just think they could have they could have hyped the pay per view more. But hey, as I said, it, it hit anyway, so um, it worked so yeah. out in the end. Jim. Yeah, um, just uh, for comparison, over on Raw for this episode, it was a taped Raw. We had um, Shawn Michaels defending the WWE World Champion, or WWF at the time World Championship against Marty Jannetty. Mankind beat Duke the Dumpster Drowsy, and Gold Dust beat. Uh, Goldust with Marlena beat Mark Merrow with Sable. So, yeah, everything changes again next week because we end or the next time we do a watch long because we uh, we enter into the era of um, of NWA. We also enter into the era of the Disney MGM studio tapings.
1: Yeah, so you can you can tell just by the thumbnails for the next few episodes that they are in a completely different setup, and we're going to see that. It's going it's going to be like we're starting all over again. It's going to be very interesting, Dean. and I'm looking forward to the next watch along because of that.
0: Indeed, right. Well, that is all from us for this week. Um, you can um, go to our website because to download all of our entire back catalogue that's been running since September 2017. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW. You can um, find us on facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. So till next time, on behalf of name hat, this is me, The Twisted Junior, saying thanks for joining us. I'll see you ringside.